What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. Hey everyone, my name is Jonathan Pajak and this is the Lens Culture Podcast and I'm so pumped about today's episode. We are talking about something that's near and dear to my heart today and it is how to achieve beautiful colors in your wedding films. If you care anything about that, <laughs> listen up because we got a good episode today. There's a lot of components uh, that go into your wedding films, um, but color has been one that I've always just like loved and enjoyed. I feel like it's a little bit of my photography side. Um coming out and playing into it as well because with photography it's so important obviously with composition and color Um, but with wedding films we have that additional you know that additional detail like the storyboarding and the storytelling but that's what we're talking about guys today is color Um, I hope everybody is having a great week so far I was sitting down thinking what do I want to talk about this week and I had just filmed a wedding this past Saturday at the uh, beautiful sunken gardens in St. Petersburg Florida and the the whole theme of the venue is just pops of color from various foliage around around the venue. And it just had me thinking about how amazing it's going to look um, in my film. And I remember the reasoning I was thinking about it was because my first year in business, I shot there and I had absolutely no clue what I was doing still at that time. And I remember I shot it in a standard Sony picture profile, nothing crazy, um, but it was still my one of my favorite colored films to date. I spent the most amount of time um, ever I did coloring that film and I was so excited um, then and it's crazy to see how far my films have come uh, coloring wise since then too because that's the most wild part is that like that film to me I look at it now and I think like wow that's not that great the skin tones are kind of gray and washed out um, and seeing my films now it just makes me so happy seeing the beautiful footage and the amazing color that I've been able to achieve over the past four years of trying to like slowly perfect it and work on it um, but it's crucial because to me I think a big component of why couples and clients will book you is because of your color okay so let's talk color arguably the most important thing um, when creating a wedding film is the color maybe second to audio I know everybody says like you know we could you know we could take looking at bad footage if the audio is good um but when we think of colors often again like I said I think about it from a photography perspective um and posing is obviously a huge role in wedding videography as well too if they're just standing there it's kind of uh, you know lame and whatnot but your calendar will truly be booked out if you can master your color in coinciding in conjunction with some of the other key points of what you need in a good film but a lot of times I'll get clients that literally tell me like I love the colors in your film it films it looks just like your photography etc etc um so I know it's definitely sought after and if you are trying to push yourself into like the next uh, level or the next um, bracket of clientele in your business. I'm telling you consistent colors through film to film, like each film, no matter the venue will truly excel you into that bracket because clients that are spending a lot of money on their wedding films. Yes. They want the audience to be nice. Yes. They want themselves to look good and properly exposed, but that color is huge, especially because they're constantly planning things in a color wise around the wedding day. Um, 
But like I said, as wedding films continue to become more popular and desired, it has always blown my mind that videographers, you know, don't put as much emphasis on color. They slap their, you know, their favorite LUT on it or whatever they uh, deem looks good or downloaded from a friend or got from a friend or something and call it a day and barely ever tweak. Because um, it's normally the last portion of the wedding film as well, too. So it's kind of like you're almost done and like you're like, oh, I'm so excited to get this one out and move on to the next one. Um, or you have a wedding coming up and you're it's like Friday and you're like towards the end of your work day and you're like i can either spend another two hours coloring this film or just slap a lot on it and do like the basic little adjustments and send it out um and yes that you know might be an easy task to do um but in the end in the long run and that's what we're kind of playing here for is the long run um your clients are going to thoroughly enjoy films that are you know color graded to a beautiful um, perspective in the eye that you want your films to be viewed at so first when it comes to color, understanding the look you're wanting to achieve um, before you even start filming is huge. Um, some videographers, especially in the Florida area, love that like bright and airy look. Some like that dark and moody look, maybe contrasty and vibrant. Um, the reason you should be thinking about this prior to filming any wedding, let alone a wedding at like a specific venue, is because often how you capture your footage um, with final looks in mind may, may affect the way the uh, you want to capture it in that moment um, or the way you want to expose for it. For example, dark and moody normally is a little underexposed, uh, just a tad, not like a crazy amount, um, but you really want to preserve those highlights when you're filming for dark and moody. Whereas with like binary, a lot of times those highlights are kind of over, always overexposed. So coming up a little bit overexposing, just a tad, maybe like a half stop um, is normally what people will do for that. Um, so it just varies. It varies based on the style that you're interested um, in delivering in. If you're looking at wedding films that are bright and airy and you're like, I don't really like that look, I wouldn't want my film um, delivered like that. Obviously, I wouldn't color like that unless you're kind of trying to force yourself to color a certain way so that, you know, you appeal to a certain type of clientele. Obviously, in the Florida area specifically, a lot of times bright and airy is associated with luxury. So some videographers will just color grade that way, even though they don't really care for it or just slide that exposure slider up because they're trying to appeal to that like light and airy um light and airy couple in my opinion you're going to see a, a way better return on your time um if you color grade exactly how you would want your film to be done or what you think looks beautiful so this leads me into my my second tip when it comes to color which you think would be exposure but first we have to talk about the color profile <laughs> and and some people that are just starting filming weddings are going to say color profile what does that even mean um I just start filming, which is true. In the beginning, everybody starts with standard. Standard's the easiest. It's baked in JPEG motion picture color that is going to give you a decent look as long as you are exposing correctly and setting your white balance correctly. Um, but the profile can change uh, the, the, the footage and how the color looks baked into the file when you're filming in that moment. Standard obviously is going to always be your easiest. Now um, you can also bump down to like what's called like a neutral profile. I think majority of like our large manure camera manufacturers have that now. It's like a neutral color in Canon cameras or uh, Sony cameras. And I think normally this, I've never used it, but I think normally it just like desaturates it a little bit, takes a little bit of the more of the vibrancy out of it so that you can have that flexibility of kind of adding it back in post. Now, remember, we are filming with, you know, motion picture JPEG cameras. If you're using like, you know, an A7S III or A7 III or A7 IV or even like Canon R5s, like, yes, there's some raw capabilities of recording with those cameras, but nothing that uh, I think that most people would be shooting a wedding day with, um, unless you're shooting with like Black Magic Raws or something like that, then yeah, you have raw color that your exposure. So it's color is going to be completely different for those people and those individuals. So 
for me, for the longest time, I filmed in Cine 4. I, when I went from, you know, standard, I actually ended up watching a video on Cody Blue's YouTube channel um, where he talked about his Cine 4 settings. And I downloaded those onto my camera and filmed one or two weddings of them. I liked them. They were, it was really good settings. And then I kind of just tweaked them a little bit, um, basically going into the color depth section of your profile picture and changing the saturation values and the hue values of those specific colors as they bake it into the camera while also taking down the uh, saturation levels in total. And Cine 4 was great. I felt like it was a good middle ground between uh, way better than standard, way more flexibility in post, but also not like super complex and time consuming like S-Log3 is. Um, with many changes made to color depth section uh, to accommodate colors, I started to realize I wanted to have more, you know, um, more say over those colors in post. Now for me, that meant going to the next best thing. And I could have just, you know, retuned and redefined Cine 4, but I always watched everybody's films and whenever I enjoyed them, um, big names and stuff like that, I always, you know, would do a little digging and found out, okay, they're just filming an S-Log and they're spending more time on their color correcting and the color grading process. And that's just what it comes down to it is if you have to value how much time you want to spend on that process. And if you don't want to spend a lot of time, maybe go towards the, you know, profiles that don't, um, that aren't super difficult to raid with like S-Log2 and S-Log3 um, and go more towards the standards and neutrals and the Cine4s um, and stuff like that. Primarily where these standard profiles will fall short um, is in the high dynamic range environments. Often when trying to expose some skin tones, I would lose a lot of my detail in my highlights or shadows and even vice versa. I would also have a difficult time coloring the image and, and, preserve, and preserve certain areas um, in very like high dynamic range environments. That is specifically where S-Log3 and S-Log2 um, for the older 8-bit cameras um, thrive in. Uh, S-Log2 and S-Log3 is very great in high dynamic range environments. So let's say you're outside, but you, you don't want to lose all that sky detail, but you really want the shadows of like the skin tones to look good, and you don't want to underexpose crazily. S-Log3 is going to give you the best picture quality for sure. Now, I preface this with if you're using a 10-bit um, color camera, so the a7 a7s3, those cameras are 10-bit color, so there's so much more color variety in their choosing. For my older cameras, I normally would use S-Log2, um, maybe on like vacation or travel, because I don't really use those on a, uh, on a paid level anymore, but S-Log2 works just fine in those 8-bit color cameras. So when I fully converted to S-Log3, which I later hated myself for not doing so sooner because S-Log3 is is somewhat tedious and annoying um, color profile to film in, but it just gives you such better dynamic range and flexibility to adjust those colors in post. The reward is much higher. Now, this isn't a Sony thing. Most cameras have an, a log profile. I think there's D-Log and, and Canon. I think it's, I don't know what their log name is, but they all have a, a log profile that you can film in that gets you as close to like a raw image without it obviously being a raw image um, uh, in, in our cameras that we can get to. With, with S-Log though, there are certain rules that you have to make um, that make the process a little bit more annoying. For example, on Sony cameras, you have a base ISO. Now, in most newer Sony cameras, you have like dual native ISO. So like at a certain point, it, uh, like a cleaning section, like a cleaner ISO kicks in. 
So a lot of times uh, for like the, let's say the A7S three, I think the, the cleaning point is 3,200 or 12,800. So once you hit 12,800, it cleans the image up of all the noise like right away. Um, for ASA 7.4, I want to say it's 3,200. It's lower. It's a lower ISO clean point. Um, so you have to make sure you kind of fall within there. If you're one click away from the clean point ISO, I normally will just bump that up to 12,800 um, or bump it up to 3,200 if I'm on my A7.4 just so I can have that cleaner ISO and obviously I'd have to compensate with like an ND filter or like upping my f-stop um, but you want to be at the cleanest ISO possible now you may be asking me like why don't you just expose properly well with s-log 2 and s-log 3 you have to be somewhere between 1.5 to 2 stops overexposed in every clip and this is where like people get like annoyed by s-log because it's like okay now I have to think about on top of everything I'm thinking about on a wedding day now I have to think about exposing two stops over like i've never i was my, my head is trained to expose spot on like why do i have to expose two stops over um the main reasoning is because of that dynamic range you're basically preserving those shadows um aggressively and by exposing one and a half to two stops over i normally sit at 1.7 um you're exposing those shadows and those highlights to give you the most dynamic range from a clip while being able to add all that color saturation and hue in post which is really really good um so once you can like master down those uh, details in regards to the rules for S-Log. Um, and obviously, as you shoot more weddings uh, and, you know, practice with it more, even if you're outside, like practicing it on yourself, which I highly recommend, um, you'll get better at it. And you'll, I will just start to like already know, okay, like I'm outside. So, you know, I'm shooting on this line. I know that I have to set it to, you know, F2.8, F4, bump the ISO up to the thing and then like, you know, put on ND6 or something something like that. So those are the main key points when it comes to shooting an S-Log 3 is understanding that like ISO points in your camera, like the base you can go, um, which is normally much higher than 100. I think with Sony 7S 3 it's 640. Um, and then your clean point at 12,800 or 3,200 if you're on the a7 IV. Understanding those and understanding just like, okay, I know I have to overexpose to like 1.7 or 2.0 stops. Um, and just going from there. And as you get, as you film more weddings, as you practice more, maybe outside of just like filming yourself uh, which I highly recommend you'll get better at it and understanding like okay I'm outside I'm most likely going to be at these settings so now that we talked over the picture profile let's talk about the actual wedding day for me I personally love shooting on prime lenses um, I think it's again comes back from my photography aspect where like I just love the look of a good prime lens even if I'm shooting it at like an f2.8 which is most zoom lenses um, with Sony having such like amazing autofocus I never have a problem shooting prime lenses um, because even when I sat down to 1.2 having that background se separation truly gives the colors more room to like pop and I don't have to worry about it losing focus because there's an eye auto detect and there's phase detect and which has always been good it's been very 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 rare times where like I've used and shot at one point two or one point four and missed missed focus even when the box is green around like the subject face eye or like the section that I have the the um the focus settings put to her. I meter everything pretty much at one point seven overexposed um when it comes to to that 1.5 to 2 stop range and i shoot my y balance pretty true to color um i personally use an expo disc a lot of the times for video for photography it's again it's not as it's not as crucial because you're shooting in raw but for video it's that baked in there still is baked in color information in s-log don't get me wrong you don't have full control so you do want to get your white balance as as close to 
accurate as possible. For me, I use an Expo Disc. This is basically like a portable gray card that you put over the top of your lens um, and you point it in the direction of the light that is hitting your subject. So let's say I'm filming the bride in the corner of a room and there's uh, some tungsten light. Um, I would obviously go to turn those off because I don't want like mixed lighting situations. Um, but basically I would point that Expo Disc towards the window, wherever the light source is, read the reading from that direction and it'll give me an accurate uh, color balance. Uh, reading. But then again, if you look at it and you're like, ah, oh, this looks a little blue, this looks a little warm, you can always make those adjustments yourself. The thing where the Expodus clearly thrives is it will also give you your magenta and your green tint adjustments as well. So it'll tell you like 4,800 Kelvin magenta one. So you'll, you know, bring the magenta down to one. That's probably when you're in like I want to say like an outdoor situation where there's a lot of light bouncing off like green grass or green bushes, a lot of green magenta in the air or green in the air. So Sony camera is going to want to like counteract that with some magenta colors. One key feature I thoroughly enjoy on the newer Sony cameras um, is the gamma assist for the for, for S-Log. It's a feature where when recording and, and setting your white balance, the footage will appear really um, fully saturated and contrasty but not actually bake that into the actual file. Why this is important is, is it's a lot easier for you to set your white balance when you can have a better picture on the back than like a gray S-log image. Um, and it also just lets you know that you're like, you know, composing better and capturing a beautiful shot. In addition, I always utilize, like I mentioned above, uh, various ND filters uh, to follow the 180 rule um, to create good motion blur. And the 180 rule simply is just, if you're filming in 24 frames per second, you want your shutter speed to be at 50. Um, if you're filming in like 60p, you want your shutter speed to be at 120, just doubling that frame rate so that you can have like realistic motion blur um, and not everything is just like choppy and, and, and gross. For me, I don't always like interpret the footage, so that doesn't play a huge role into color, but if you do, um, obviously it'll slow it down and keep it in, in its more natural state. Um, but like I said, exposing properly one and a half to two stops over, setting your white balance as accurately as possible. Um, if you like to deliver more on the warmer side, maybe you'll set it, set it a little bit more on the warmer, warmer side. I will say I enjoy adding my warmth in post more than trying to take it away. I feel like when you try to take it away, it's a little bit more touchy, um, whereas adding that warmth in post is a little bit easier in my opinion. So I just want to summarize real quick um, some random like uh, tips on getting the most flattering lighting scenario available. So the first thing is turn off all the tungsten lights. Place uh, your subject near like a window clean the backdrop behind them, add any color options you can think of. Like maybe like if the bride's getting in her dress, you can just add like her bouquet of flowers that have like nice colors. I also don't like to extremely backlight my clients when they're like, let's say doing prep or um, or it's like sunset or something because a lot of times with our Sony cameras, even in the high dynamic range um, situations or any mirrorless camera, when you over extremely backlight them, exposing for their shadows is just going to normally like blow out that background. So for me, I don't thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. Um, the other ones on this list are pretty self-explanatory. Placing them by a near uh, a window with no tungsten lights turned on will just give them nice daylight balanced color temperature hitting them and it's so much easier to set your white balance for and it's normally way more flattering as well too. But 
understand that S-Log won't save your footage. Um, it'll just complement it, and and that's the approach that I always take. Sometimes people think that like when you're filming an S-Log, and you know it's just gonna you'll have all the flexibility in post. You can do the exposure in post. You can mess with the colors in post, which is not wrong. The thing is, is though it ha does have its limitations. Again, it's not a a raw you know file. So that's all the information I have specifically on S-Log, um, but I wanted to touch on the, the confidence in being directive really quick. Understand that like your couples hire you for your creative eye and professionalism and what you do. Don't be afraid to give input um, if it's contrary to what they think may look good. A lot of times I'll have clients who be like, oh, let's do this shot here. And it's like, in a dark tungsten lit room, but like the backdrop looks, I guess, nice in it. And, and you just, you know, you just have to honestly tell them like, Hey, I know this might seem like it looks good in your head, but like in this environment, you know, or with this color balance, like it's not going to look good. I'd re much rather have you by this nice, like daylight lit window with like this backdrop. Or if you have to go outside of like the bride prep room or groom prep room, because it's just like a horrendous hotel, you are the professional. You shoot X amount of weddings per year. Like most of the time they're going to listen to now if they're dead set on a certain scenario then yeah obviously maybe take their consideration just do your best or put it in black and white as we always joke about um but it just varies okay so let's talk final steps color correction and the grading process normally for grading process i live within the curves panel make adjustments in the wheels and finish in the basic panel um, another alternative to save time is apply just the Rec. 709 input LUT. You can get a lot of these on uh, a Sony website or a Canon website, I, I would assume. Some people will sell you more improved versions that they've kind of like tweaked throughout the years. Um, and you could definitely go that route as well. Um, but for me, I find the standard one that I got on Sony's website converting S-Log to Rec. 709 has worked perfectly. And then you can pretty much apply any standard LUT on top of that once you are back in that Rec. 709 color workspace. So if you're not doing just a regular old, you know, purchased LUT, you would apply and work to your look um, within that Lumetri panel all yourself. So within the wheels, within the basic adjustments, um, within, you know, all the color options you have for yourself, messing around with the hues, saturations, luminance. Um, my suggestion would probably be to create your own personal LUT or buy somebody's LUT pack or a specific LUT you enjoy and tweak it to your liking and just continue to keep tweaking it and keep saving it over and over again after you've applied it to like various um, clips of footage. Um, for me, I purchased a LUT when I first started that had like more of like the warmer tones. Um, and what I did was I took everything to, um, I brought like eight to 10 clips from various different weddings into my uh, Premiere Pro and just, you know, messed around with it, practiced with it on various different lighting conditions and different clips on different wedding days. And it just continued to work with it and get better with it and tweak it to my liking to where it's at now. I'm a big fan of Who Is Matt Lutz, um, Who Is Matt, Matt Johnson on YouTube. Um, his have been amazing. He has some for like standard footage and then also from S-Log straight to like a final look. Um, and you could purchase those over on his website. But in summary here, guys, to finish off the episode, the best key factors to achieve beautiful color on your wedding film, properly lighting and the exposure that complements your style that you're aiming for, um, following proper cinematic techniques, 180 rule, uh, you know, understanding that like maybe backlighting in extreme situations probably is not going to give you the best color, um, filming in a log profile with prop proper exposure compensation, 
one and a half to two stops over. Um, and then correcting and grading in a desired look that is just appealing to the eye that it's going to attract your type of clientele. If you like people that go do hikes, maybe edit more of a, cool, a warmer or more saturated or a um, you know more golden uh, color grade. If you like shooting in Colorado in the winter in the snow, maybe go on the cooler side. It just kind of varies, but... I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and got a lot from it. Um, if anything you got from this episode, I would I would hope that it would just be stressing the importance of color and how you can attract your ideal client um, through just amazing looking imagery or amazing looking footage in your films. But that's it for this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions. See you in the next week's episode. Peace.